Dr. Mark's madness now part of Chunkaluta. Oh, we looped him. We looped Nathan. Sorry. I'm a bad And Liz Nathan. Just like every now and then you hear it in the background. <laughs> hey, that was the best I've ever done. That was, yeah, yeah. That was, that was pretty good. Uh, so that was so good that for those of you listening, that was actually Shungmani 2 with the last one. Um, so that was, that was pretty Was it really that good? Wow. I don't, I, it was pretty no. good. It was close enough. It was pretty good. Close enough to warrant a distinction. To warrant that distinction, yes. yes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is Mark Spandness, so we are your, uh, well, you know, we are your co-host. I was going to say lovely, and then I was like, I guess none of you really see our faces, so. Yeah. You're, and, and I don't know what, like, a good word for, like. Our voices a, are lovely, though. We yeah, yeah, like your, voices, so your baritone so. babies. I don't know. <laughs> baritone babes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Something dumb. Uh, I'm going to get <laughs> off that joke. So we're reading the Red Deal per usual, but mm-hmm. uh, pretty exciting things in the news today, if I'd say so. Uh, well, besides yeah. another derailment in Ohio. Yeah, um, which is, is quite unfortunate. And we know, again, you know. The- Springfield. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, we know, again, that, that these derailments, they're they're happening like three times a day. I mean, they're 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 happening all the time and and so when they're happening in Ohio again it's like oh shit. Um also did you hear that Aaron Brockovich um is is out there in East Palestine trying to like you know um uh, get people organized around like lawsuits and things like that as she does. You know, as she's famous for and they they even made a movie about of of some of her past work. Um and so now she's being seen as a potential terrorist. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, a terrorist? Yeah, which I'm pretty sure, um, I'm pretty sure something like that was was used like if I went out there, yeah. I could get it right. But <laughs> right. <laughs> you're gonna call her a terrorist? That's yeah. a little bit of a stretch. I know, I know, and it, it, it I, I'm actually really happy that they made that Julia Roberts movie now because now when people hear the name, they're gonna be like, she's not a terrorist. Gonna be like, oh good, some people are gonna wake up to some shit. Well, um, I don't know how many like racists still call Mandela. Yeah, that's racist. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope uh, not many, but you know there are some. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of racism, the the real current event that we need to get into right now. Obviously, we know down in Atlanta, um, there's a forest that they're trying to destroy that homeless people live in to build Cop City, which is again an urban warfare training facility. They want they basically want to create- and movie studio. Yeah, and movies, they basically want to create a propaganda and fucking going through the streets, murdering you like full-on dystopia-style training facility. Perhaps they'll double-use the footage. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> you you got to double up on your content, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Con- monetize everything, film everything. This is YouTube 101. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so th- this horrible dystopian um, cop city, a lot of groups are organizing around trying to push back on it, um, which is gaining momentum, which is really good. Um, and today there was – I think it was at like 5 o'clock. There was a big march, um, which was done as, as part of demonstration. They're actually doing a good job pushing police back. And now last I saw there was the construction trailer for it and a cop car were ablaze and there was a power line down um uh you're muted Jumani too oh yeah there was a ton of shit going on out there yeah. I saw a picture of just like this huge fire over the tree lines mm-hmm. I was like nice Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Scary thing with this, of course, is is anytime you know something like this happens, obviously there, there's going to be a big wave of of reaction from cops because they're violent monsters. And I mean, it could have been them themselves. It could have been them. They could have done that to go in. Um, and either way, that that even if they do that, if they're going to burn shit down. Good, you know. As long as it, what I'm more worried about than who did it is. You know, whether it was adventurism, whether it was very good organized effort and there's a lot more plane coming, whether it was uh, a false flag thing by cops. I don't care about any of that. Burning that shit down is, is a good outcome. And then the outcome I'm worried about is the cops going in and arresting and pointing guns at a bunch of people and mauling a bunch of people and probably tear gassing a bunch of people doesn't harm too many, you know, comrades in there in the fight. Too many um, uh, forest protectors, right? 
because um, obviously the cops are barging in there. They're pointing guns at bounce houses and children and shit like that because they're they're fuckheads. They've arrested, I think, at least thirty people. So again, there's some good news. There's well, you some never bad know. News, there could but... be you know insurgents hiding amongst the children. Right. Oh my god. And using them as meat shields. You have to shoot Jeez. through those kids sometimes. You know. <sighs> that is, you know, again, we we talk about in in Cop City here will be a very good point of emphasis because it's supposed to replicate some of the cop training they have in Israel. We talk about Israel being an outpost, you know, this major puppet state of the U.S. that is used not only as like a point of contact to expand imperialism throughout West Asia, um, but also as training for domestic police here. And the cop city is supposed to mimic a lot of that. that. That human shield shit, that is stuff that Israel and the IDF for a long time have used Palestinian children as human shields because Palestinians don't want to shoot their own children. And then they accuse Palestinians of using those same children as human shields when they never have in order to dehumanize. I had to shoot that kid in the head. I had exactly. And and so cops, you know, going in and attacking children and. You know, if they were to claim forest protectors were using children as human shields, that would just, I could not imagine that fitting the bills more. It, it would make too much goddamn sense. Too much. Honestly, I mean, like, a lot of what, I mean, somebody said Cop City is the struggle for this generation, and I was like, well, we can only hope, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd like it, to think it is our Paris Commune moment, more so than Dakota <laughs> Access was, just because... Um, there's a lot of potential there. There are a lot of contradictions mm-hmm. stressed by this. There's a, there's a lot leading up to this historically to uh, make the working class want to support something like this. The biggest thing is, is how can we utilize this event specifically as Marxist-Leninist to galvanize support towards Vanguard, Vanguard theory, right? Yeah. Um, well, also, I, I hope people notice this uh, during the big George Floyd uprisings in... 2020, but Atlanta is a hotbed of a lot of radical organization because of, and it traces back to the 96 Olympics, right? Really? Um, oh, yeah. You, what do you think the Olympics do to a city? And they're, they're uh, doing it to I LA now, right? It's the ultimate like, gentrification. Well, um, I sort of figured it all stems from just, you know, black neighborhoods. Well, oh, okay. I, yeah, no, but I mean, like, like the current buildup that's led to Cop City and a lot of the, the financial oh, stuff. Oh, that, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And so there's been very acute organization for the last 30 years in Atlanta against police um, brutality because of situations that trace back to those Olympics and the actions of cops that really are what has led to Atlanta being where this Cop City is in the first place anyway. Um, and then, yeah, of course, it's a it's a heavily black um, metropolitan area. I think it might even be the most heavily black metropolitan area now. Um, and on top of that, um, you know, the, the media is very explicitly integrated with cops in Atlanta. Um, so not that it isn't anywhere else, but it's, it's just a little more explicit there. Um, so yeah, I mean, this, this being a hotbed of revolution makes immense sense. And I certainly hope it does more, uh, than the, you know, autonomous, um, Seattle, I, I've totally forgotten the name of it now, totally fell off my head, um, that happened in 2020. Um, I hope more than code access pipeline. Um, I mean, we talked about Michael Brown and Ferguson here. We talked about, you know, Rodney King back in the nineties, all kinds of stuff. Um, but hopefully this is the big galvanizing one and, and we have something to jump off of, but it's definitely a very, very, you know, big battlefront now, um, in abolition, in any sort of revolution, in land back and all those fronts. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I, I think it, I think what a lot of people are afraid of is putting too many resources into one spot. Right. But at the same yeah, time, which is, which is an understandable fear, a totally understandable fear. But but if that is a fear, then maybe you should be thinking, you know, beyond Cop City. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, just neither here nor there. Um, just, you know, it's a crazy time out there, really. Uh, that said, uh, <laughs> I think we're ready to get into the reading. Huh? Yeah. yeah. We had finished um, 
the last section. Yeah, well, yeah, last part, I should say. Yeah. And we are on part three now. Yes. And uh, heal our planet. A reinvest in our common future. There is no hope for restoring the planet's fragile and dying ecosystems without indigenous liberation. This is not an exaggeration. It is the simple truth. Indigenous people understand the choice that it's that confronts us, decolonization or extinction. We've unequivocally renewed our bonds with the earth, implementing intellectual traditions and the movements for decolonization. There is no turning back. These bonds are sacred and will never be broken. This is why indigenous water protectors and land defenders throughout the world are criminalized and assassinated on a daily basis. We have chosen life and for we have been marked for death. That's worth underlying, especially with somebody just trying to do lawsuits. I mean, that's borderline water protector stuff and they're being criminalized for it. Wow. That's hard to believe. (laughs) Um, And I mean, like a lot of AOC's hate comes from the fact that she was at TAPL and stuff. But, um, you know, that she appeared to be more radical than a lot of people on offer, right? Um, Despite this grim reality, indigenous people continue to caretake the land, even under threat of daily attack. Uh, And I like I know people whose gardens get destroyed by white supremacists just because. Oh, absolutely. They know an Indian yeah. runs it. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, be, the, you know, we want to be clear here, right? There's, whatever is a function to humanity, that's what makes it important. So obviously, you know, we don't we don't like private property because that function is exploitation, right? Uh, but when someone's personal property that they're growing food with, uh, that they're getting to and from work with, is getting destroyed or violated, that is to disrupt their life. To make no, I, but survive. these gardens half the time and, are feeding other people, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, half the time they're doing much more than just feeding themselves with these gardens. Mm-hmm. The, the gardens will take up their entire yard, and like most people's conception of a garden is like very small and it doesn't produce even enough for yourself to eat for a season you know mm-hmm. like when a lot of us are thinking about gardens that get destroyed and stuff like we did a i mean this was in a this was a white led project in a white town and it was just a progressive minded dude and so the reactionaries still destroyed his shit too you know uh, he fucking opened up something like 6 acres across the town for uh, like community gardens and then orchards that are free to use Super cool. That they is, destroy. That is, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Why would you destroy that? Yeah. I mean, f- as far as capitalists go, yeah, I like that guy. You know, mm-hmm. I, he he gets the wall last at the very least. You know, <laughs> we could do him a little favor if he's going to give us some money like that. He, you know, he gets the wall late enough that by the time you get to him, you go, like, "Oh, really? Are capitalists really a thing anymore? I guess you could go." Well, you know, I kind of picture it more in the way that China like turned their emperor into, uh, you know, worker instead mm-hmm. of Cuba yeah. executed because like not everybody deserves execution. Yeah. Like a boat store owner sucks, but like also, you know, I don't think he's the equivalent as Halliburton's owner. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, Those seem unequal to me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the whole thing to discuss later, yep. and I'm not gonna stick my neck out really, you sure. know. Besides for that one guy, yeah, <laughs> and that's to go last. <laughs> so the labor that indigenous water protectors, land defenders, and treaty defenders perform is crucial to our species. We depend upon caretakers for both social and biological reproduction, um, and that's. I think obvious, right? Okay. Humanity would not exist without caretakers, but caretaking is labor. It takes work to plant crops. It takes work to hunt. It takes work to raise children. It takes work to clean homes. It takes work to break down a buffalo. It takes work to learn the properties of traditional medicines. And, you know, you could go on and on. Um... For you know, uh, as far as like, we, we are we are only anti exploitation and poisoning, and killing the earth not only hurts the environmental 
uh, environment, it hurts you, the worker. There is uh, segments of uh, right-wing opportunists who would loudly proclaim bulldoze the rainforest. Literally something the Pat Soch said. It's clear to those of us uh, with organizing uh, more than Twitch streams, who are organizing more than Twitch streams, uh, can see that these potsies or hazies are either, one, paid, two, fash, purposely distorting uh, class consciousness, three, naive children and bots. Uh, either way, we cannot simply lay claim to the ready-made state machinery or make surface modifications to our old society. You cannot just turn the U.S. red. Healing the planet is ultimately about creating infrastructures of caretaking that will replace infrastructures of capitalism. Capitalism is contrary to life. Caretaking promotes life as we know it. Oh, promotes life, sorry. As we note throughout this book, caretaking is at the center of con contemporary indigenous movements for decolonization and liberation. We therefore look to these movements for guidance on building infrastructures of caretaking that have the potential to produce caretaking economies and caretaking jobs now and in the future. We also look to the infrastructure of caretaking that is currently emerging where capitalist nations have failed to save lives from COVID-19. Brenty said, the revolution, who f this is my words, uh, the revolution, well, not really my words, but my quote, <laughs> the revolution who f that feeds the children has my support. Um, th this was a line that was a radicalization moment for me. Uh, and on the internet, this is also known as Prenti's Yellow Speech. Uh, but it's actually a 86 lecture from uh, Boulder, Colorado, uh, that it's, but it's like, somehow become super popular, right? Like this random guy from the past. Um, but to me, this, you know, comes from a caretaking economy itself. Like our elders in this movement pass down certain figures like this to, or, you know, rather made sure we knew about certain figures like this. So that way we had um, a better place to start from instead of, trying to reinvent the wheel constantly, which I get it. Nobody's ever thought like you before, but trust me, somebody has always. There is somebody. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to continue? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, healing the, oop, bleh. healing the planet is ultimately, Wait, is that where we were? Yeah. I thought we are under the current system of global capitalism. Oh, oh, I thought you were reading your notes and you were reading that paragraph. Uh, <laughs> under the current system of global capitalism, caretaking is undervalued and often unrecognized as a form of labor. Caretakers like parents, land defenders, and water protectors make up a percentage of workers who produce the social and material means by which we live, yet they are not paid. In a world being reshaped by a pandemic, caretakers have become the most important sector of workers, not only by saving people's lives, but also keeping whole families and communities afloat. Mutual aid networks populated by caretakers are proliferating, providing relief to the most vulnerable and paving the way for robust caretaking economics to replace the crumbling system of global capitalism. Current mutual aid networks are neither state-sanctioned nor state-funded efforts. They're entirely people-led and the result of working-class solidarity between nurses, service providers, students, domestic workers, migrant farmers, and families. Mutual aid networks affirm life by caretaking for humanity rather than denying life by abandoning it and exploiting labor into... No, exploiting humanity. The monumental change we face is how to turn caretaking labor into life-affirming mass movements that can topple global capitalism once the emergency conditions of the pandemic lift. Um, and now we're in an ugly but predictable contradiction where the emergency conditions of the pandemic being the pandemic are long not lifted. Um, but the restrictions that gave any kind of, of you know, 
ability to slow the thing down are gone. Um, that just fucking blows, but we've got to work through that, too. Only when we are able to mount a real threat to the hegemony of global capitalism through such movements will we be able to heal the planet. Like the development of mass movements, affirming our relationship with the land is not optional if we wish to avoid extinction. Again, affirming our relationship with the land is not optional if we wish to avoid extinction. People need to understand that. Um, This is not some mystical vision where we go out and hug trees. It is a serious agenda for decolonization that requires comprehensive land return programs and funding for mass indigenous-led land restoration projects. Health reciprocity. Reciprocating healthcare, okay? Uh, (laughs) With the environment also depends on indigenous people having unrestricted access to land, unencumbered by colonial borders and free of harassment from agents of the state. We understand the land is our means of production as indigenous people. That feels weird that I was the one that read that line instead of you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, This is why decolonization and land return are not metaphors. Land is also the means of production for settler economies, which require property as a basic building block, often called primitive accumulation by Marxists for amassing capital and power. Uh, Obviously, and Nathan's brought it up many times, but a lot of modern Marxists um, talk about accumulation by um, accumulation by not by exploitation. Basically, like continual stealing of the land. Accumulation by dispossession. There's the term. There we go. Accumulation by dispossession um, to mark that it's it's ongoing, which I, I'm pretty sure, you know, someone like David Harvey saying that is probably because there were some indigenous scholars, you know, talking to him. Um, but yeah, that's that's bas- that's the more modern, better way to 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 say it because primitive accumulation acts like there's an end to it and it's it's still ongoing, even if the relationship was was uh, pointed to correctly by Marx. Well, like primitive denotes a time in the past, right? Or right. A time exactly. Of less. Yep. Exactly. It's 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 needed to be the building block, but it doesn't stop. Like it's it's not just the foundation. It's continuing a, a continual process. Uh, we cannot successfully wage class war until indigenous land repatriation is taken seriously as a precursor to seizing the means of production more broadly. U.S. imperialism, the greatest threat to the future of the planet, will never end if land remains in the hands of settler capitalists. The collective future of us all depends on the ability of indigenous caretakers to work with the land, restore its health, and reestablish the balance of our relations. With threats like radioactive contamination, wildfires, chemical pollution, and biodiversity loss, we will also need to seek new and alternative technologies. This is something indigenous people embrace because we've always been technological innovators, scientists, and engineers. But as we know, capitals have a monopoly on technology, with a majority of the most advanced technologies being used for war efforts. And this is something that is continuously part of settler colonialism and imperialism, right, is monopolizing technology. You know, you take the technology of others, you keep your own technology, and then you destroy others' ability to create and develop new technology um, in the face of of your exploitation of their land and the people on it. Um, You know, we've seen this. um, Nathan and I did together, we were talking about uh, neocolonialism, and and we were reading that with Kwame Nkrumah, and we were talking about underdevelopment of Africa and, and the same process there, right? Um, what Cecil Rhodes did um, across South Africa and, and things like that. They use a lot of legal agreements. They bully people out of land. Um, they create an extraction economy. That extraction economy then uh, struggles to create technology because people are always keeping up with the exploitation. And now you have the technology monopoly. Uh, Scientists are denied funding for projects that are not considered profitable or that directly disrupt the flow of capital to the already wealthy. What if technology was created for the benefit of all life on Earth? In order to answer this question, we must turn to indigenous knowledge. To follow pages, the following pages 
prove that our traditions of science, technology, and diplomacy are key to ensuring a future for all living beings on this planet. Wow, we still have a ton of time, wow. Yeah, I was going to say. We're making great time. We're, we're breezing right through it. Um, I don't know. There's just not a lot to add. They just well, it, well I, worded. Yeah, it's well worded, which is good. Which it, it, that's a good section. But also, there's a lot of stuff we expounded on a lot in the book. And so, as we get right. later in the book, there's going to be less to touch in on. I just I want to make sure I'm not cutting you off if you do have some notes. No, nah, but I think uh, I'll probably take over here. Sure. Or maybe you continue because my baby's a little sad. Okay, that's fine. Uh, trauma-informed thinking has taken over indigenous governments, institutions, nonprofits, revenue streams, and even movements. Like electoral politics, trauma-based healing sucks all the political and emotional energy out of the room, leaving little space for other possibilities and visions for change. The narrowing of our collective energies into trauma has come at the expense of building vibrant and militant struggles for liberation with other colonized and oppressed peoples of the world. Rather than allying with revolutionary movements in the global south to overturn U.S. imperialism once and for all, we argue on social media and academic panels about injury, who is more injured, and who injures more. This is entirely a first world discourse. Movements outside the United States rarely traffic in the language of trauma and injury to develop political positions or, or tactics of organizing. What it does take up... He- when it, or what it does mean to take up healing as a revolutionary concept, one that transcends the neoliberal realm of individual trauma and allows us to imagine a world that prioritizes collective well-being and healthy relationships. In this time of a global pandemic, we must reclaim healing from the neoliberal individualism afforded to trauma and injury and instead globalize our efforts. The Red Deal advocates for healing our bodies and the planet but not from individual trauma alone. We must heal from colonialism and capitalism together. You have to quit crying on the shoulder of the man who stole your land. The late, um, I hope I don't butcher this, Sepwemic leader Arthur Manuel was fond of saying. You're on your own. (laughs) Okay. Um, The saying has an acute resonance in Canada, where the Truth and Reconciliation Commission listened to millions of hours of indigenous testimony, documented the abuses at the hands of residential schools, and the intergenerational trauma that ensued. While the testimony was cathartic and documented actual instances of genocide, not a single scrap of indigenous land was returned, and colonialism didn't end. And we also, you know, saw this recently with the uncovering of a lot of mass graves at some of these residential schools in Canada, and that's not leading to land back. Um, Actually, it's led to the government to rescind its word. So. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Liberalism is caring until it's inconvenient. Uh, The cunning politics of injury has come to define our era, where state and corporate perpetrators of violence and genocide are asked to or position themselves as purveyors of justice while entirely sidestepping the question of colonialism and imperialism. Prior to this area of so-called reconciliation, liberation was the horizon of struggle. Today, the horizon has become our further incorporation into the settler state and U.S. imperialism. Instead of finding a seat at the table, we ask that this table get off our lands. We are more defined by our dreams of liberation and freedom, and we refuse to be defined by trauma and violence narratives, as hapless subjects rather than active agents of history. Liberation and freedom, no less and no more, defines healing for us. COVID-19 is a harsh but crucial lesson about the need for collective healing which we will require militant movements to liberate the planet from systems and structures that target whole nations and species. Although there are many points of entries into this global struggle, there could be no doubt that indigenous movements for decolonization and liberation must be at the center of our collective efforts. Well, and this is exactly why it's a problem to position um, indigenous liberation as something that happens after mm-hmm. communist revolution. Because it's not a matter 
of who's harming who first or whatever. It's that there's issues that have yet to be addressed that mm-hmm. we should probably address just first. Yeah. Like it won't go like you don't have, it doesn't have to be separate. It doesn't have to be a separate struggles that happen at different times. They can all happen at once. And it's actually, it creates a wider front mm-hmm. for multiple sides. I think, uh, I, don't I think people are, are so used to, the kind of distribution outlook it, it they see everything either as a, a need for a punitive measure like like prison or um, as appropriated distribution like like in a will right giving things to the right people and that's not quite how this shit works you know we're handed a reality and why people to... are getting houses yeah <laughs> we're, you we're... need them. Yeah, we're we're get, we're handed a reality, and yeah, what people deserve matters, but it's not does this individual deserve more or less than the other person. It's what ends the system that causes the suffering. That's what matters. And when you see that, you see how interconnected these struggles are, right? There's not just a fight for communism or just a fight for land back or just a fight for abolition. They're the same goddamn fight. Matakaye, oh yeah, sin. All is related. Anyway, we've said that a million times. It's Mark said it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Same shit, different continent. Mortal science. All right. Area one, clean, sustainable energy. The world is transitioning from fossil fuels to clean and renewable energies, but not fast enough. Resource extraction is still ravaging indigenous, black, migrant, and other than human communities. The Amazon forest fire of 2019 resulted in the burning of over 2 million acres and the assassination of Guajajara indigenous leader and land defender Paulo Paulino, uh, or Paulino, I don't know, uh, all in the name of mining and logging. In early 2020, Canada invaded sovereign Wet'suwet'en territory to remove Unistoten land defenders uh who had successfully stopped construction of the coastal gas link pipeline for close to a decade. Infrastructure projects like the pipeline that carries natural gas from fracking fields to ports for international export violate Wet'suwet'en sovereignty. The Navajo Nation is still one of the largest resource colonies in the United States, supplying energy through coal and natural gas conversions to some of the largest cities in the American West, while many of its own citizens live without basic infrastructure like clean water and electricity. For indigenous and poor communities throughout Turtle Island, the fracking revolution of the past decade has been particularly violent. Fracking is a type of drilling that injects chemicals and water into the ground to break up underlying shell rock, releasing the oil and natural gas contained within it. Fracking produces more natural gas than crude oil for the U.S. economy. Two-thirds of natural gas in the United States comes from fracking, while approximately 50% of the nation's crude oil is produced through the same method. Corporations like TC Energy, formerly TransCanada, the corporation that built the Dakota Access Pipeline, claim that natural gas is one of the world's cleanest and safest energy sources. That's like clean coal. (coughs) That's like my favorite shit. It's the same shit, yeah. (laughs) Clean coal. Clean coal. Anyway, natural gas is often called clean, quote-unquote, because it emits 50% less carbon than coal when you burn it. Governments like the state of New Mexico have partnered with fracking corporations to create shiny public relations campaigns about the benefits of natural gas as a bridge fuel that will help the planet transition from dirty fuel sources like coal into net, uh, into zero net carbon renewable sources. N- Native people know the truth about this so-called clean energy. While the natural gas boom has created billions in profits for extractive corporations, governments, and investors, the fracking required to extract natural gas from below the Earth's surface has devastated indigenous communities in the eastern region of Navajo Nation. Meanwhile, extractive corporations are investing millions in renewable energy technologies to ensure they have a new source. My pages are too sticky. Okay. Profit one dirty energy. Wait, what? New source of profit once quote-unquote dirty energy is phased out in favor of quote-unquote clean sources. Renewable energy corporations and startups proliferate creating a new class of millionaires and billionaires who invest in green technology to profit while proclaiming they are saving the planet. 
Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> I mean, perfect example. The United States backs right-wing coups in indigenous nations like Bolivia, Texas, green energy sources like lithium. Whether extractive capitalism or green capitalism, profit is all the ruling class cares about. Not the future of humanity, not indigenous sovereignty, not the health of the earth. It is therefore crucial that we imagine and organize for new sustainable energy in- initiatives led by indigenous people. Indigen- uh- oh. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to continue reading. Oh, I was going to say it is kind of funny talking about the clean energy because one of the early episodes Nathan and I had in Capital, we talked about uh, something he brought light to is ethanol. The idea of ethanol and gasoline to be more environmentally sound is not the least fucking bit helpful. Well, because of all the corn that gets grown and it takes in carbon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's a total load of crap. It was just to sell more fucking corn shit, right? Like, every every goddamn sugar you have is, is like, partially hydrogenated corn syrup. It's not any more or less healthy than sugar. It might be less healthy. I don't fucking know. I think um, it's less. I think it is less healthy. But the point is not health or it's just there's so much fucking corn and they, they just wanted to sell their corn more. They put it in gas. They put it in every food imaginable. It's just hammer and nail shit. Corn, corn. There's a corn palace in South Dakota. Mm. What can't you make corn into? <laughs> Corn cob pipe for smoking weed. Anyway. <laughs> Indigenous people have lived sustainably since time immemorial and can continue. Oh, sorry. And can continue to live in reciprocity with those we share the earth with. Sustainable does not mean primitive. We must reclaim indigenous intellectual traditions of the Western Hemisphere, which have some of the most advanced technology in human history. We have millennial mathematical and scientific theories allowing us to track the movement of the solar systems, map out our stars and galaxies, and create functional plumbing and aqueduct systems. We had these technologies long before Europeans discovered such things. Uh, this also includes like bungee ropes, animal husbandry, the domestication of crops. Like the list goes on of everything we did way before y'all. Just saying. <sighs> Just saying, it's just none of these people are qualified to start making those claims. But if you read uh, Indigenous Paleolithic of the Western Hemisphere, good complimenting book. Just saying. Uh, where were they? Uh, it's going to be, we had these right after aqueduct systems. Okay. We had these technologies long before Europeans discovered such things. Science and technology has never have never been at odds with indigenous life ways. It is only because of capitalism's monopoly on technology that science is used to destroy the planet. Science and technology should serve the needs of the people rather than profit or war. Capitalism is incapable of equitably distributing the technology and value that it has created, even when it is towards green capitalism. Sitting Bull once said, the white man knows how to create everything, but not how to distribute it. Green energy jobs are often touted as the rationale for promoting renewable energy projects. However, if we look at renewable energy products like Kayenta Solar Project, Moapa Southern Paiute Solar Project, (laughs) and this (laughs) Silicotine Solar Farm, I'm so sorry, the majority of employment for tribal members is temporary and only comes from construction and planning. You're up. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The maintenance is done by outside contractors from a vision, from vision to completion. Solar jobs are not a sustainable source of jobs for local communities unless maintenance, monitoring and remediation are taken into account saying that renewable energy will create more jobs simply isn't enough. We must have a clear understanding of the spectrum of labor that goes into green energy and demand that local communities, not private contractors, work these jobs. The materials used in solar panel systems are extremely important to consider. Lithium-ion batteries, according to the U.S. Department of Energy, are and will be the main storage of renewable energies. Lithium-ion batteries are made from two main materials, cobalt and lithium. Uh, The Democratic Republic of Congo holds 60% of the world's cobalt, while Bolivia holds 70% of the world's lithium. Both. These are outdated, by the way. Yeah. 
these are all outdated. Also, lithium is going to play an important part, but a lot of people can undermine it really easily with hemp. So, it, it, hemp is. It's not a miracle solution, but it is so applicable it to... It provides a lot of solutions. It provides a lot of solutions as far as, like, just straight up, you know, combating climate change, right? I mean, Like, it, you could replace a lot of parts in a nuclear reactor with hemp, and mm-hmm. that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You can create a lot of clothes and biodegradable plastics with hemp. Oh, well, that, the plastics are the main thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's much better. Well, even then, I like yeah. the fresh banana leaves and stuff that they've been doing over in Southeast Asia and stuff. That's sweet. That that sounds awesome. Um, but anyway, both countries face heavy exploitation by the world's economic powers like the U.S., China, Canada, France, and India. While these countries are supplying the global north with green energy for the future, they remain some of the poorest nations in the world. We must not replicate the injustices and inequalities between the global north and the global south that exist under our current structure of global capitalism by simply replacing fossil fuel extraction with renewable energy extraction. Even with the transition to green energy, the capitalist and colonial relation remains intact. This is called imperialism whereby the wealth and power of the global north nations depends entirely on the poverty and exploitation of global south nations. We must fight against a system that deems the world's poor and indigenous expendable for the sake of progress and profit. And when you hear global south, though I don't think this audience has much of an issue, but I know there's going to be an influx of new people, and I know the Patsosh really need clarifying on this. Okay. Your... How do I want to say this correctly? The global South exists here too, and the fourth yeah. world as reservations, right? Mm-hmm. In Norway, and Norway, I believe, is the one that's doing it right now, is that they've stolen more land from Sami people and are putting up uh, wind turbines. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's classic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people try to pretend like these issues are old and over, they're not. They're very real. It's enclosure continuing to happen. And you, you as a Marxist, have an opportunity to fight it and prevent a group of people from having to suffer as long as your people have. Mm-hmm. Let's try to achieve that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A dream. A simple one. It ain't much, but it's honest work. The meme. Go look at the meme. Yeah. Um, We must ensure that all corporate polluters be held accountable and pay for full remediation of the land and reparations to the people who have felt the impacts of extraction for generations. That's right. We're not going, like right to you and, and shaking you down to, to like fix some of you. We are. Well, some of you. Yeah. yeah but not Bezos. <laughs> Watch out. Bezos is listening to our podcast. That's, that's amazing. Always. Bezos is always <laughs> listening. He is always listening. People, you know what? He probably is because there's probably, I bet he owns this. this. They own Twitch. Don't they? Oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah, I bet they, they own this shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And if if not, if not, there's gonna be somebody listening, and there's gonna be an Alexa in the room, and it's just gonna gather all that shit right up. So yeah, nope. Bezos was always listening. The Alexa's in the room with me right now. Gotta play the sound editor. Nathan, probably. Please, please don't disappoint me, Nathan. This could be accomplished with boycotts and divestment campaigns or by urging tribal leaders to break contracts with corporate polluters. Regardless of how clean and green the technology is, the process by which corporations extract value from indigenous life for the benefit of settler colonialism remains the same. We will educate tribal communities on the histories of resource extraction, and we will organize to stop all forms of energy extraction from native communities and lands, whether it is coal mining, fracking, or solar farms. Now more than ever, we need people to understand that we have to actively create the world we want to live in. 
Man-made disasters like climate change and the unnecessary spread of COVID-19 are not manifestations of the Earth healing itself. Such deadly events are a direct result of the actions of those who pillage the Earth, the ruling class. These capitals view the Earth as a resource to be exploited instead of a relative to be protected. Wherever you are, create campaigns that pinpoint the central role of capitalism in creating the suffering and the need to dismantle capitalism for the sake of our common future. And that's obviously trying to combat uh, like the eco-fascism yeah. thing. And like the Pat Socias try to pretend that they're the only ones talking about it. They're not. They're mm-hmm. co-opting our language mm-hmm. in order to try to pretend that they are. And then sheepdogging people away from good analysis like ours. And that's because they don't tell people what podcasts they're listening to. They're not telling people what they're reading and stuff like that or where they got their information. Instead, they like to pretend that all of it came from their own brain so that mm-hmm. way they can build clout. Mm-hmm. I believe firmly in teaching a man how to fish. And that brings us to the end of our episode because it's a great place to end. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But this is sort of our call to action in that, um, you know, normally I don't, you guys don't ever ask people for money and I don't like asking people for money specifically, but we want to set up a website specifically to provide transcriptions of every Mark's Madness episode for one, because that's obviously what this audience cares about. You mm-hmm. know, it's going to provide transcriptioning for other things, but you know, we got, we got to make, we got to sell what's popular. <laughs> I don't know. That's the way it goes, isn't it? Um, but I try to be honest about it and upfront with the audience. So that way you feel a part of the conversation decision-making process. Cause you should be, because that's how this show has been ran. Um, and I, I've appreciated it as a listener. Um, and I don't want to change that at all. Um, I'm very honored to be a part of this and to have been invited on and to be accepted as a co-host by the listenership and uh, for people to be so excited to have my voice be a permanent part of Mark's Madness. And, um, you know, it's I have a huge respect for the guys. And, you know, uh, it, it, my voice cracked. You know, I'm young and this is just like. You know, like, I take it seriously, at least. I don't know how many people do. But this is, like, life or death for my people. In the next ten years, I strongly believe that fascists will take over the country if communists do not organize a revolution. Ten years is being kind, frankly. Frankly, I am giving us a lot more time than is available. But I gotta believe that I have more time to act, so that way I don't get super doomer um whatever those you know we got each other and that's sort of what we're trying to do is promote a community and stuff and so you know we have a patreon okay it's uh zicados tin can i think it's the patreon right now i should probably make like an official chunkaluta network patreon like rename yeah. it or something but that's like where everything's going right now and it's like the idea is that feed is a collection of everything I do, right? So I do a shit ton of work besides Mark's Madness. Uh, I collaborate with a lot of people, and then I do a lot of my own episodes as well. Um, and then now I'm creating new series and trying to uh, help other people make their own podcasts so that way we can have better discussions proliferating the space. You know, the... Inter- the communist space on the internet, whatever you, however you want to define it, whatever parameters you want to give it, we need a better discussion than rehashing the same debates from 2016. It's old, old, and I mean, a lot of these debates are probably rooted in bot accounts that the FBI, CIA have set up to literally do that to make us yeah. repeat content. Yeah, and it just. Endless cycle. Oh, it's a cut. Like you go on any social media and it's, there's a very clear cycle. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's an echo chamber. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I noticed that when uh, as a meme page is that I was sharing pages or well, sharing memes every year. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh, it's back. <laughs> and I'm like our meme page on Facebook has like 17,000. I try to separate it to have a different gauge for yeah. popularity. Basically, <laughs> but like 17,000 
likes or something isn't bad for a Facebook meme page, you know? Yeah. No. Uh, and then the tanky one at that, um, <laughs> it probably helps that we like kind of like Trojan horse it. It's like, I'll tell everybody finally, non, what well, left unity memes for non secretarian teens or some shit like that. Nice. And like, I firmly believe. We aren't secretarian. We make fun of everybody equally. <laughs> so we get shit on by a lot of people in the comments, and I think it's really funny. Yeah. But um, I don't know. We, we we try to have a scientific approach to things instead of a fucking tendency that I strictly adhere to that limits my conceptualization of what revolution means in this country. Mm-hmm. That's the way I view it. Like Marxism, Leninism isn't a tendency. Marxism, Leninism is a science. Okay. And those who don't think it is didn't read the theory. <laughs> Just that simple. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, I'll argue with that. Uh, so contact us at, uh, at Mark's Madness Pod, uh, at Bands. Uh, no, at Bands Island. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> that's my personal Twitter. And then at Chunkaluta1973, all on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to, um, or I guess you can, is there, you can go like the Facebook meme page. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be plugged. I don't give a shit if you like that or not. But um, <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, Shumani to send me. And then my other admins will be like, that doesn't even make any of the memes. <laughs> I just argue with people in the comments. That's literally why I was invited onto the admin staff is to argue. I was like, nice. That's cool. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, there's emails. Mark's Madness Pod at Gmail, Chunkaluta1973 at Gmail, and then Bands of Turtle Island at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to argue with me or complain about anything we said wrong, um, anybody who's listened to my Gorilla History episode, I said M18, I meant an M16. Oh no. <laughs> Ripped my life. <laughs> Turned a gun into a firecracker. I know. But anyway, um, I think that's... Oh, there's a new series coming out called We Will Remember. So if you join the Patreon, you'll get access to that early. Uh, Otherwise, you can go get it from the People's History Podcast Patreon, too. But you should join ours. It's better. Um, But yeah, ultimately, the big thing is we're trying to set up a website and uh, sell merch to pay for that website. Um, and become capitalist grifters. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the dream, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we're trying to source everything non-exploitative, uh, which is a lot harder than you'd think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to hand make beanies to save some time on the beanie front. And I like beanies. So you can get a handmade beanie from me. And uh, we're trying to figure out a patch for it or whatever. And then, you know, there's like three logos that we can sell, right? The Chinkaluta, the Mark's Madness, and then mm-hmm. uh, Bands of Turtle Island. Um, I don't know. And then we also have the long-awaited Bureau of Caucasian Affairs shirt that is... We, we, we talked to some people from the Caucasus... And they're like, hey, can you not? I was like, okay, just because you're from the Caucasus, I guess. And so, <laughs> so it is now the Bureau of Wasichu Affairs of the Department of the Ulterior. And uh, freaking, it's pretty cool. It's got like a pig head for the cops, a police badge, and then like a piece of white bread with mayo beans spread on it. Nice. You know, it, and, and you know, if you have a better rendition of it, we might do a second run, you know. But um yeah, that one was uh designed by PA Gigi, uh our wonderful co host from Bands of Turtle Islands earlier days that hasn't been able to 
join us, unfortunately, due to computer issues. And so uh, that's another big thing that we're trying to save up money for from the budget is to buy them a new laptop, which is going to be about $700, and it's going to enable them to do more art. Also going to let them play video games because, like, I don't think you should only ever pay for somebody to work their ass off for you. It's kind of a dick move as a communist. Um, and I like to say that there's a joke that there's union mandated weed breaks, but, uh, (laughs) I don't know, but (laughs) yeah. So, you know, that's just one of our main goals is to get PAGG back into, um, creating art and being able to sustain themselves without, um, severely injuring themselves more than they have to, Mm -hmm. uh, in this society. Um, that's and that's sort of like the idea for all of our members is we'd like to get them professionally being revolutionaries over working for some capitalist dead end job but that comes with a lot Mm -hmm. of um baggage and things to work through publicly so that way you can receive critique from comrades in good faith in my opinion um that's at least my hope might backfire on us. Uh, <laughs> but I'm hoping that honesty is the best policy. And yeah. that as long as I don't tell the feds too much, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. And for and for anyone um, from the Mark's Madness side that's, that's here through this book that's wondering, like, you know, me and Nathan, we're still going to slave away for capitalist pigs because we want indigenous people as much as possible. To be I'm just one of the capitalist pigs yeah. that David and Nathan are slaving away for. <laughs> Not really, uh, but kind of. No. It's just weird. <laughs> it's like an angle situation. That's, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> no clean hands. Okay. This is some dirt on mine. <laughs> I'd basically like try to manage everybody and tell yeah. them. Where, where they're needed because I don't want to say I'm a leader, but what the movement needs right now is people who can say, we need people to do this. Yeah. That's what we need right now. And that's it. Yeah. People to hold each other accountable. That's it. Once we start holding each other accountable and actually having standards, you'd be amazed at what happens. By myself, Chunkaluta earns like $1,500 a month now, which pays for my family's living. And now like $1,000 towards the network every month to spend. That's like before taxes. but mm-hmm. And then like we're trying to figure out like 501c3 or whatever to see what's best for taxes. And I have a lawyer on staff looking into that, you know, and then we're trying to get an accountant to do taxes um, because I'm dumb. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an accountant. Don't look at me. And also, <laughs> I think it's probably better to have a neutral party do yeah. your taxes, legally yeah. speaking. Yeah. But I don't know. There's a lot to go into, uh, and we hope to lay out a plan on the website and a bunch of other stuff, and eventually open up to like public membership. But for now, it's sort of like a. You know, you're going to be cool enough kind of club. (laughs) But there's also uh, two discords to join. Yes. There's the Patreon discord uh, where we'll be doing like movie nights and stuff. And we're trying to we're trying to cultivate a bigger community. And a lot of people from the Mark's Madness community are allowed to just go over there freely because you're like pilgrimaging. But it's kind of like. The old, the old official server is sort of the litmus test. And if you, <laughs> on that sad note, uh, join the one of the discords. The Mark's Madness one's free, and we're setting up a dollar tier on the uh, Chunkaluta Patreon for Discord access. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the only thing you get with the dollar. Because I figure some people might, I don't know, might might want to get it's on a perk. A lot. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, like the idea is we are eventually going to start movies and you also get to kind of like throw in a more directed opinion at me that I don't get angry at because Twitter pisses me off. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, freaking 
thank you all for listening, and I hope we plugged everything. Yep, and so we will talk to you all next week. My name's David. My name's Shugmani, too. Bye.